like that what do you mean so loud because i turned it up girl oh no girl i was um extremely confused don't mind me she's looking at our recording program situation mm, it was a bit confused anyways <laughs> it's friday it is friday with thunder noodle thunder noodle Oogly Woodly woo. Oh, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. I've missed this. Yeah. It's good. I feel like we started this week off on such a, like, hmm, just, I don't want to say not a positive note, yeah. but like such a heavy mini-sode. Girl. Yeah. It was insane. It was insane. So, wh- what are you gonna do today? Are you gonna Are you gonna break us? Yeah, a little bit. Really, a little bit. I feel like we're so surprised every single time. We're like, oh no, I chose a case that is horrific. Excuse me. Bless you. Excuse that me. is horrific. And I'm like, but did we forget that that is what we do? I was about to say because <laughs> even my dad, he was like, oh, but like I can help you if you ever need a look for a case or whatever. I'm like, dad, like I appreciate that. You know a lot of stuff, but we're not just doing stuff. Yeah. You know, our whole point was to find some 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 dark stuff. Yes. You know? And um so I mean, are we surprised? No. Are we gonna act surprised on Monday when you come and shock me again? Absolutely. Yeah. Will this happen every time? Probably. Most likely. Like you said, expect the expected. You know? I also did not receive some, what do you call it? Like your dad said he would help you. What do yeah. you call that? Assistance. There we go. Wow, my brain doesn't want to form words today. Have taken your pulse? I have taken. Slay yes. girl. I'm medicated. Medicated. Um, so on literally, when was it? The day before yesterday, my husband decided, last week, this week, I can't even remember, that he wanted to buy the new PlayStation. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know the lingo to this. The PS5. The PS5, right? So he went to go buy this. And he's like, are you going to play a game with me? <laughs> and you know what? When I was younger, because nerd deluxe mm. over here, mm. okay? S loves her some nerdy shit. Mm, mm, mm. But I do not know if gaming, isn't that geeky? Is that in the geeky genre or does that still go with nerdy? Well, I don't think we even use the word geeky. Yeah. Okay, so back in my day, computer gaming stuff, Yeah. right? This is South Africa, so maybe it was different somewhere else. But mm. that was considered the geeks. Mm. And the bookworms slash Harry Potter loving fantasy type people. A little bit more, how can I say? You're like more bookwormy type people. Yeah. We're nerds, right? So I was part of the nerdy. I dabbled in some chess. Oh. Yeah, I played so some chess. Queen's Gambit over here. Yes. Is that Con- the right word? Queen's Gambit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Can't, yeah, that's a move and chase. So, like, I watched the series. Yeah, that's the only reason good on you. I know the words. Yeah. So, um, sort of. so in my mind, that like the computer gaming vibe is mm. geek. Yeah. So I dated this guy in school, big geek, right? Yeah. Beautiful guy. Loved him so much. Well, what I thought what love was, you know, like yeah. all young and mm, 
I'm going to marry you. Yeah. Did not. But anyway, he was a gamer. Okay. And I so badly wanted to be a part of that. Because, you know, I want to be into I love what you love. Yeah. And I tried. I tried so hard. Mm. And I got distracted by how pretty some of the stuff in the games looked like. And I'm like, oh, this graphics is amazing. And all it did was inspire me to draw. <laughs> and I sucked. I sucked balls. I'm not going to lie. I also wasn't a big uh, PlayStation person. Then I met my boyfriend. And now I'm a FIFA addict. I can I can rock a solitaire. I can rock a solitaire. Oh, I love solitaire. I can rock a mine minesweeper. Sims. I, bitch. I can't, I can't do Sims. That is do you, my shit. Do you know what I... Funny. Do you know what computer game I was good at? Like it mm. had the little CD that you put in the drive and all yeah. that. Brass CSI. <laughs> As you fucking should be though. You know what like I'm going to do? Convince my boyfriend because I even went and looked and you should do it too even if it's just for your daughter. Tell him to download the Bratz PlayStation game. Okay. She's Girl. got the My Little Pony game currently. I'm making my boyfriend download me Bratz. Okay. I'll tell him. Yeah because then he tuned me and he's like do you want to play some 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 stage with me is that how you say it do you want to play some playstation do you want to play some station do you want to play some station <laughs> and i'm like mm, n- no mm. no and he looked at me all offended obviously right so I, I like back at him and i'm like okay i'll do that with you but then you can come sit with me and do some true crime research mm. he's like uh no 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 how is that not fun i know i have so, so much fun doing my yeah, research it's literally one of the best parts of my week right well kind of i traumatize myself half yeah. of the time but it is one of the best parts mm, so yeah true crime nerd over here <laughs> true, true crime geek whatever true i don't crime. even know what you call it but yeah that's a little so off track i love it though i can't remember what the point was to this where did it start out Oh, oh, you see, I took my ADHD meds. You see? I could backtrack. I could not. So, we were talking about your dad offering you assistance. Oh, fuck. Yes, yes. So, we were talking about your dad offering you assistance. My husband did not offer me any assistance whatsoever. That's rude. That is so rude. I'm going to pre warn everyone. Um, what do you call it? Trigger warning, I guess. Disclaimer. Disclaimer, trigger warning, PSA, whatever. All of it. Alert, yeah. motherfuckers. Yes. Um, Attention. It's gruesome. There's um, children involved. It's satanistic kind of vibes. 2319. Woo! Over 2319. Red alert, red alert. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a heavy case. I'm not going to lie. But we're going to get through it. Okay. And it's not a South African case. Ooh, you have not not done a South African no, case. No, no. All of mine have been South African yeah. cases. So this is my first not South African case. It's from America. 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 Okay. So <clears throat> this case is known as the Riverview Murders. And it happened not so long ago. It happened in 2018. Which is I actually don't know anything about this. Yeah, girl. And it happened in um, the area surrounding Tampa, Florida. Oh, girl, don't ask me anything about that. I'm not clued up about geography, let alone geography in America. All I know is a lot of shit goes down in Florida. You know, you There's see many, all those. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the vibe we're going. On March 18th, 2018, in Riverview, Florida, 29-year-old Ronnie O'Neill III fatally shot his ex-girlfriend, 33-year-old Kenyatta Barron, and hacked their 9-year-old daughter, Renevia O'Neill, to death with an axe as well as stabbed their eight-year-old son, Ronnie O'Neill IV, who told detectives, my father shot my mother, 
before being escorted to the local hospital. Okay, so wait. The little boys did not die. We don't know. Gonna have to wait and find out, girl. Oh, I'm already confused. Okay. So just before midnight, 911 dispatchers get a phone call. However, when they pick up the phone, no one is on the other line. All they hear is that there's like an altercation going on in the background. They're screaming, they're shouting, like people are clearly fighting. You can hear that someone is trying to like defend themselves from someone else. You can clearly hear A, that there's a fight, but B, it's not just like you and me are having a screaming match. Like you can hear that someone is feeling threatened, attacked, and they're trying to protect themselves. The operator is like continuously trying to get someone someone's attention because he's like hello like is anyone there like hello hello you know type vibe and eventually a woman's voice is heard on the other end of the phone call she's frantic she's struggling to breathe she's in a fucking state all they hear is god please help me jesus help me i'm shot so the operator hears a man's voice chanting in the background saying allahu akbar which means god is the greatest in arabic So this lady is on the phone. She's frantic. She's saying she's just been shot. She can't fucking breathe. You know, you can hear this woman's in a state. And in the background, you just hear this man continuously over and over going Allahu Akbar. Just over and over and over again. So the woman then starts pleading to the man. And she starts saying sorry over and over again. This is all on the 911 call. Yeah. She's trying everything she can to just like get this man to calm down so she is saying anything she's apologizing for shit like that we're not even sure if like she did if she's just trying to say sorry because she thinks maybe this will calm him down like she's just she's doing anything she can to get this man to like calm down and she's just you know she's in a state he doesn't really respond to her pleading he doesn't even speak to her like he doesn't even acknowledge her to be honest she's just going off and he is kind of just like doing whatever he's doing i'm assuming like attacking her or whatever he's just not it's almost as if like he doesn't even register her as a human a minute into this whole like situation that's going on he shouts over the woman the 911 operators hear him scream over her and he says she killed me so this left the operator like so confused they're like what the fuck then they hear him say call 911 and then he continues to scream saying she killed me she killed me she killed me she tried to kill me first like super fucking weird but they don't know who he's shouting at like they don't know are they shouting do they know she's on the phone like i don't like it's weird it's just a weird situation okay, so this can confused. either be from the 911 operator side either the hmm. woman is staging this yeah or or the man is trying to stage something else exactly somebody's lying someone's lying and someone is in danger but like at this point you're kind of like who who okay, who danger? phoned 911 she phoned the woman yeah mm. she phoned and he was aware yeah obviously no, i don't think i don't i don't know i don't know what kind of state he was in like i said like yeah. he didn't even register her as a person so i'm not even sure if he knew that she was on the phone with the police i don't know which is something i've always thought about right because in obviously movies which mm. is i think 
our best reference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we haven't been in these situations. Literally. Where the 911 operator mm. would be like, hello, hello. Yeah. And they talk louder. And then I wonder, don't they go through some sort of training? Because what if you are in a situation where you are phoning 911, but the person should, the other person who is there with you should not be aware that you're phoning 911? Yeah, maybe like you just have it on so that they can hear what's going on. Yes. Not to like do actually the, speak. Yeah. Do the operators have like a certain, they should say it twice and then mm. just listen? Mm. Or do they just say it once? And or Because sometimes or... in the 911 calls, you can hear them talk louder. And yeah. I'm like, isn't that a bit more of a threat? You know. I feel like that's something we should it's look into. So, I hey? agree because you, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, how do you handle that the best way possible? Yeah, ensuring people's safety. But also, I think maybe it's just in movies that we see it. I maybe. don't think that a big amount of nine one one calls are like that. Maybe mm. I don't. But know. I suppose there still are. Like, you need to be prepared for any situation. Yeah. Hmm. The 911 operator hears him like screaming, going, "She killed me!" Call nine one one, whatever, and the line goes dead after this like all of a sudden the lines just gone dead so police are on their way to the house because they obviously like tracked the phone call because it was on for quite a while while on the way there they receive another phone call from the same house so they answer but now this time there's a man on the other side instead of a woman Mm -hmm. he's rambling about nothingness for like quite some time in the beginning they're not really sure what he's saying or like what he's going on about but somewhere he turns around and he says i've been attacked by some white white demons her name is kiki and she just tried to fucking kill me and i just killed her stupid ass like so confusing police are like what is going on like Bitch, confusing as fuck. The operator asks for clarification. Again, the man on the other end of the phone is just like, no, Kiki tried to kill me. The line goes dead. So police are like, what the fuck? So the scary part about the second phone call is the fact that when they picked up the phone the second time and they heard the man, he was going off or whatever, but everything in the back had gone quiet. There was no longer any background noise. Not people oh. talking, not a woman's voice still like asking for help like nothing like all of a sudden the it's just it's just him. quiet it's just him talking so police arrive and thought sat in their cars for like a minute or so and they were like how are we how are we going to approach this situation the best way that we can so they decide to get out of the car and go to the front door and they see that a woman is collapsed in a heap on the front lawn there's just a woman lying on the front lawn uh, on the front lawn and they try and call out to her you know like hello like are you okay like but they don't get a response so they go over to check on her and they instantly just see that her body is fucking covered in blood this woman is covered in blood and that's when paramedics arrive kind of like the same time which was insane but they kind of arrive like as they like inspecting the body they go up and they start assisting and and trying to help or there was a lot of blood apparently like coming from a lot of different places there was a singular gunshot wound to her arm that bled quite a bit but it wasn't like she was gonna die from that but yeah she was losing blood from it and then she had a lot of head injuries 
that made police suspect that she had been beaten in the head with a very heavy object, but they couldn't really determine what at this point. Um, but she had teeth missing, a part of her face was like disfigured, she was fractured in about 19 different places. And she had lost so much blood from all her injuries that by the time paramedics got to her, she had already passed away. Holy fuck. Which is just devastating because, like, the state that this woman's body was found in, like, it was just so horrific and gruesome. Yeah. You know? The scary part is police didn't know that this was literally just the beginning of a complete fucking horror story that they were about to step into. So, when they get there, police are alerted that there's a fire going on next door. They very quickly put two and two together. They're like, "Mm, there's no ways this is a coincidence. Yeah, like, that doesn't even make, yeah. You're telling me, you get murdered next door, I'm getting all these phone calls, and now all of a sudden, there's a fire. mm, mm -mm. Something's fishy, you know? They just had a gut feeling that there is no way this was a coincidence and it had to be tied together they proceed to try and break into the house that's on fire to see what's going on but they can't get through they eventually just kicked down the garage door because they tried to get through the front door but they couldn't so they kicked in the garage door and it seems like it should be more difficult to kick down a right. garage door you know okay, yeah and apparently like the minute that thing was opened up they were just greeted by an insane amount of smoke there was just smoke and fire and so nobody like ran out and said oh shit something's on fire they just yeah. started seeing smoke. smoke it just yeah and while they're kind of like gathering their bearings or whatever trying to figure out like what the fuck can they go in through this way do they need to find another way in or whatever because this is police this isn't the fry exactly brigade. so you okay. can't just fucking walk right no in, no no no, no. Know? they're not trained for that but at the same time are there people inside yeah, yeah, yeah. like what's going on so the heroic instincts are kicking in you know as they kind of like gathering what to do and trying to figure out the best way to approach the situation a very tall figure starts to emerge from the fire Ooh, okay which i can just sit back and think i don't this is so random um i love how you know sometimes we'll talk about like a case and we'll re- relate it to something random but then throughout the rest of that case that episode we constantly refer back to yes. that thing I feel like today's thing is movies. I don't yes. know. And so what I was going to say was, I don't know if you've ever watched Charlie's Angels. Yes. And you watch when Drew Barrymore's ex like walks through that fire. Yes. That's kind of like what I'm picturing. You yeah. Know? I don't know why. That's just kind of the vibe, the energy I get from this him walking out the fire. Yeah. yeah she had some toxic relationships that mm-hmm. one okay police are very on edge at this point obviously they don't know who this man is they don't know if he's armed if he's injured if he's the one that started the fire like they don't know are you connected to like this dead woman outside like what the fuck is going on like honestly police have just been like bombarded with all this random information but none of it's making sense there's dead bodies there's fires there's people that need help but i don't know who's injured i don't know and I'm guessing your first thought when somebody walks out of a firing house isn't necessarily suspicious. It's you know, like, thank fuck, you're, you're okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's just kind of 
a really weird situation so they kind of back up and scream at him and tell him to like freeze and like just stay where he is because they need to like kind of assess the situation but he just keeps walking to them he's not gonna stop now obviously police are so freaked out and scared and like so one police officer runs up to him and actually like tases him and gets him to the ground this figure and they start to handcuff him and put him in the back of the car while this whole situation's happening while they're like handcuffing him and trying to get him to the car the man starts chanting allahu akbar oh no over and over again and like he's just getting louder and louder and more aggravated and like just more intense like he he is just such a passionate person like yeah you can just see with this they now assume that this is the man they heard on the phone call on the 911 call it kind of has to now all be kind of tied in because you're coming out of the fire but you're saying the same things that was being said during the murder or the police yeah that's not something that every other household person is saying no they even leave him in the car for like a minute to like try and calm him down um because he was just going off and ranting he just kept saying things like some bitch named kiki (laughs) which i just anyways and said that um she was the devil and that the kids were the devil and this and the next second as soon as he said that police their stomachs just drop because they're like hold on a second not once have we heard anything about kids what are you talking about the kids are, are devil kids so that all of a sudden are like oh fuck like this is about to get worse like what kids are you talking about they said like they didn't even think of it the thought of there being kids involved didn't even cross their minds until he said that so because of this police kind of shift their attention back to the house and are like wondering if there are kids inside if they hurt if they dead what's going on as they again assessing the fucking situation trying to figure out they see another figure coming out of the fire This figure, however, is a lot smaller. It ended up being a small child. He was hunched over and he was holding his stomach and he made it just outside the house onto the garden and he just collapsed onto the floor. That's when paramedics rushed over to help him. There was blood everywhere. This child, like, head to toe, covered in blood. There was gaping wounds to his abdomen, among so many other injuries, such as burns and blisters from the fire. However, one of the open wounds to his abdomen was so deep and so intense, he had his intestines literally, like, falling out. He was disemboweled? Yeah. So, he was literally holding his fucking intestines in his body. And he's how old? Eight. No. And it's the little, it's a little boy, hey? Mm. He was in critical condition. Like, it just, it's not looking good at all. He kept trying to talk, but he was struggling. And paramedics were, like, trying not to get him to talk because they were like, you need to conserve your energy, bro. And he probably has shit in his throat from the... But he is like, I need, I have shit to say. Treasure over, they start helping him. And as they start to put, like, an oxygen mask on his face, he turns around and he says, my dad shot my mom. And that's when police realize who the child is. Yeah. And this child turned out to be eight-year-old Ronnie O'Neill the fourth also known as little ronnie he was then transported to hospital since little ronnie came from a long line of ronnie o'neill's it wasn't hard to find out the identity of his dad who was now obviously the murder suspect in the back of the car and this turned out to be 29 year old ronnie o'neill the third so once the house fire was distinguished is that the word not distinguished 
No. Um, extinguished? Extinguished. It's extinguished. Extinguished. There distinguished is... Like you're a... Like I'm a distinguished... Yeah, person. Brighter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I knew that was wrong. Okay. It is extinguished. Yeah, because that's a fire extinguisher. extinguisher. Yeah. Yeah. So once the fire was extinguished... Yes. It just doesn't sound like a real word. Extinguished. It sounds fake. It but does sound fake. Anyways. When the fire was made no more... <laughs> when the fire was out... <laughs> The police <laughs> entered the house and realized things were about to get a whole lot worse. Okay, so the fire brigade showed up. Mm-hmm. They distinguished the fire. Distinguished. They distinguished <laughs> this is a fire that we are going to extinguish. Yeah, girl. Okay. So, a lot of distinguishing going on here. A lot of distinguishing. <laughs> they enter the house and they realize that the house is just covered in fucking blood. There's just blood everywhere. There's blood on the floors, on the walls. Things are knocked over. Like, there's, like you can see there's been an altercation. Yeah. Um... And police say, like, you could see that, like, someone was definitely struggling. So detectives also noticed that the whole house smelled like gasoline. And it seemed like the garage fire was just the start of what was meant to be an entire house fire. Luckily for investigators, since the fire didn't pass the garage, the evidence in the house was still preserved. So while detectives were going from room to room... Um, in the house they started to realize why Ronnie O'Neill III wanted to burn the house down so badly. So he was in the garage starting the fire and obviously the smoke accumulated within the garage mm-hmm. and then it, the fire would have spread but then he was walking out. So the kid had to go through the fire to get out. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah girl it's Bad. Lying in the doorway of one of the bedrooms was the body of a little girl who was later identified as nine-year-old Ronivia O'Neill, Ronnie's daughter and oldest child. Detectives soon realized that Ronivia had suffered the worst of the attack. So again, because mm-hmm. I know I did it in the beginning, but please, graphic warning major. Yeah. Like, we're about to get into some some deep stuff. Ronivia was beaten with an axe by her father multiple times. The state that her body was left in, it was just horrific. She was pretty much on the brink of being unidentifiable. She was mutilated. And it, this was obviously not from a fire. This was just yeah. from a beating. Yes. With the axe. She hadn't experienced anything from the fire. So there were huge gashes all over her body from her head to literally the soles of her feet. She literally had gashes on the soles of her feet. And I'm like, this is a nine-year-old little girl who was also, keep in mind, born prematurely. She was born so premature that when she was born, she was only two pounds. Two pounds and two ounces. She was fucking tiny. That is like a kilogram. She was tiny. Just over a kilogram. She was so... This child, tiny. The wounds that... The wound that was said to have killed her was actually a gunshot wound to her throat. So by the fact that she had been beaten with an axe and gashed everywhere, she had also been shot in the throat. And Do they know what happened first? No. I think the axe thing happened first. Yes, the axing happened first. So he first beat her. Yeah, and then to, shot her. To an edge of her life. And then he shoots her. Yeah. And the gunshot wound was so bad that it practically decapitated her. But I mean, I'm guessing with all this, the... Yeah. I don't even have words right now. G- gashes? Mm. If it was on the soles of her feet, I'm guessing that the neck was also 
part of targeted yeah part of the the axe mm. situation mm. i'm guessing that that just like elevated whatever then the gun did yeah after this another body was found in the house and was later identified as renovia and little ronnie's mom kenyatta barton who was just 33 years old yeah okay so she's four years older than him yeah she was also scarily and ironically however you want to take it known to her friends and family as kiki that's just what i wanted to ask you kenyatta because like kim kimberly kimberly kardashian is Mm. called she's called she's kiki and chloe is coco i know chloe's coco i think that i think i've heard them call her kiki because remember dre is it dre his name's not dre kanye no 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 brah um, Did you hear that song that Kanye released for Kim? <laughs> I need you to run back, back to me. Oh, no, I haven't heard and that. And then it goes, specifically Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I'll show you later. Man. <laughs> Drake. 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 That is how far my brain got. Oh. Drake. He did a song. I Kiki. Just, I, I thought I w- it was going to do. Oh, yeah. Kiki. Dylan. Yes. Yeah. And then Mr. Yay got all upset his spaghetti mom's spaghetti he's nervous so his knees went weak yeah because he was like is drake singing a song about my kiki which was kim but drake's also delulu delulu delusional oh i'm like what nickname is that (laughs) (laughs) i would think that would go with like ludicrous and then him and pitbull can make a song dale delulu delulu is the salulu that's solution Delusion is the solution. And Delulu is the Salulu? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, wait. <laughs> Let's get back. Okay, so she's Kiki. Yes. Her nickname so, is Kiki. Yeah. Instantly, again, fucking red flags going off because he's constantly like, oh, this demon Kiki. She was also Ronnie's ex-girlfriend, ironically. Wait. Um, Kiki. Kiki the mom. Yeah. His wife. No. His ex-girlfriend. They were oh. not married. Yeah, I said in the beginning, ex-girlfriend. So the mom and the kids are living in the house. Mm-hmm. He's not living with them. Girl, we're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there. The little puzzle pieces are fitting mm-hmm. together. So Ronnie and Kenyatta are the parents of Ronnie and Renivia. So they are both the parents. So it's not like okay. half-siblings or anything like that. Okay. So little Ronnie had witnessed the entire thing from his mother's murder to the murder of his six, his big sister as he was the last one to be attacked by his dad. So his dad attacked his mom, he then attacked his sister, and then he attacked little Ronnie. So he witnessed the whole thing happen. So little Ronnie was admitted to ICU due to his wounds and he had to be put on life support as they found out that one of his lungs had been punctured during the attack, which was making it hard for him to breathe, obviously. But on top of that, there's so much fire, um, like smoke, like intake. Yo, let me re-say that whole sentence. Smoke inhalation. There's so much smoke inhalation in his lungs and whatever, you know, after this whole like fire. So now he's been like punctured. Now he has like smoke in his lungs, like this poor little And he has one functioning lung, basically. Yeah. And it creates, I know smoke inhalation creates soot in your throat, which can, there was this one episode of Grey's Anatomy where they, the the redhead bitch, Mm. she didn't check 
for the soot in the throat and the woman literally suffocated because of that so that to me is like i don't know too much about this Mm. but i'm guessing that's like that smoke inhalation that soot in the throat is Mm. without having both lungs functioning properly that already is life-threatening so now you have a punctured lung with the smoke inhalation oh wow it was bad he had multiple stab wounds all over his body his face his arms his legs like everywhere and he got burned and he had to walk through a fire so everyone at the crime scene that night was like you know this kid like he's not gonna make it like no one had had hope after seeing him that way because he was the only one that didn't die at the scene everybody else was already dead by the time yeah they got there so they were like hoping they were like fuck but it wasn't looking good for little ronnie like no. it was looking really bad i will say though i don't know where this is going mm-hmm. but my mind is just telling me the whole time like kids are resilient kids are so resilient i hope i don't break your heart okay so a little bit about the family kenyatta and ronnie were not together at the time of the murders they had been in a long-term relationship however this was years before the whole incident happened they actually split up in 2012 so i mean they had been broken up for like five years already and ronnie had even moved on and had another child with another woman oh wow you know so it was all groovy kiki had custody of both kids and ronnie was supposed to be paying child support however very quickly that stopped happening and Mm. he fell behind and couldn't help and so the couple hadn't seen much of each other after the breakup however nearing the end of 2017 around five or so months before the murders took place ronnie was involved in some random drive-by where he wasn't part of the crime he was a victim where um, some strangers drove by and um, he was shot by some random and the incident was so bad that Ronnie had flatlined five times throughout in, in the spam of one day after being shot. He flatlined five times. He kept getting resuscitated and things like that. So the oxygen to his brain was probably cut off. It was crazy. It was just really, really bad. He was resuscitated multiple times, but somehow he managed to survive. Yeah. So due to how severe his injuries were, when he was about to be discharged, doctors informed him that he would need to go home to someone who could take care of him during his healing process, as his body was way too weak. Yeah. But now for some very weird reason, no friends or family of Ronnie wanted to take him in and help him. No one wanted him not even his new baby mama that he was dating at the time according to sources i might be wrong on that but from what i understand he was dating her at this time and even she said i don't want you staying at my house thanks bud he turns to kiki and he asks her for help to which she agrees and she then proceeds to take care of him for the next five months and i mean he didn't pay a single thing he didn't pay rent he didn't pay for groceries he didn't even like he didn't even try to help and by the sounds of things it kind of was like he lay around and did nothing she ran after her kids she ran after him he just didn't lift a finger he just sat and did nothing i l- I, mm. Mm. I have nothing i literally have nothing to say yeah kiki was known to be an amazing mom Apparently, like, her kids were her fucking world. Like, 
mom crazy like you and your kid volvo driving soccer mom yeah she was a caring mom people said she was made for it she was made to be a mom she did loads of activities with them she was always trying to take them out to do fun stuff whether it was go to the park or anything go to like they went to church every week they went to the park just spending like just spending quality time with her kids she was just a really good mom and her kids were her world and she was thriving as a single mom the three of them were happy together alone you know because it doesn't sound like he was actively taking part in the kids lives either before this whole thing happened and they were just they were fine they were good the three of them yeah ronnie was said to have loved little ronnie he was said to have loved video games he loved american football as well as some other sports too and he was such a big fan of his mom's cooking that he even said she makes the best chicken wings ever oh mama's boy yeah you know Renevia was born extremely premature like I said earlier she was very underweight and this led to a lot of health complications when she was younger she struggled to breathe for herself and she her mom had to actually fight to get her to get them to keep Renevia on life support because they wanted to take her off so she was obviously born before 34 weeks because that's yeah. when the lungs are kind of yeah. like, okay, so she's she's a proper preemie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doctors threatened to take her off of life support, but Kiki, she was like, there's no way. So once she did start breathing by herself, other complications soon started to come up. Not too long after all of this, she was then diagnosed with cerebral palsy which is heavy yeah that's that's heavy and she she couldn't walk for a very long time however with physio and the help of other medical professionals she did slowly learn how to walk but it was still really hard for her it was apparently really painful um so she relied heavily on using a wheelchair so she's a little fighter just like her mom and on top of all of this she was also on the autistic spectrum she just had a lot of challenges that she yeah. needed to overcome but her mom was there and she was like you know what i'm gonna do everything for this Fighting baby for her you know and no matter what birth. i am gonna give her the best life she yeah. can have no matter what no matter what she was also non-verbal her whole life what the whole family ended up doing was learning sign language so that she could communicate with them because they would obviously still speak to her because although she's nonverbal, she can still understand yeah. what you're saying. So apparently she used to love one of her favorite things was she used to sit with like her little snacks and cuddle up next to her mommy and have her mom read her like stories and like read her books and stuff or sing to her or she just loved hearing her mom. This um, is making me so emotional because yeah. that's literally what I do with my daughter. It's, dude, it's a heavy. That's why I said, like, it, it was a very emotional case. And for a non verbal child yeah. to have, especially somebody that's on the spectrum, mm. from the kids that I have met that are on the spectrum, I don't want to say that they're not affectionate, mm. but when they are that affectionate, it's almost like like a big ass bonus. Yeah. That connection must have been so great like you can just tell like through so much of what's said about the family of three just the mom and the kids like it was just such a happy home it 
what happened shouldn't have happened you know it just shouldn't have happened the whole family learned sign language so that this little girl could sign to them so that they could understand and that she could still communicate with them was even it though... said of big ron huh? the dad did he learn sign language i don't think so no to be honest they okay. really did just thrive as a family of three however it's said that as soon as ronnie returned he just ruined everything like he just came in there and everything got fucked which makes me really angry but i'm trying to stay calm. so when ronnie got to the police station he was covered in blood like bitch you should see his mugshot photo the white shirt he's wearing is not white it's red it's red and the thing is like also something that was super weird is he's constant ah she tried to kill me first there was no marks on him not a single defense wound not a single scratch nothing nothing he was just covered in blood but nothing was wrong with him and let's be real if you are there with her taking care of you if she wanted you dead you would be dead you would be dead you wouldn't be saying but i'm also one thing that fucks me off is i'm like how long were you taking advantage of her because you're telling me you're too sick to be on your own but you were well enough to commit murder on three people so how long were you actually fine and And just sitting in that house taking advantage of everything because you were too lazy to fucking do anything and she wasn't just fighting back for herself no she was fighting back for them kids yeah girl oh but oh because like if i just had to defend me yeah i probably i'd give it a young like 92 percent you know oh girl like it was just me jesus take me now i'm ready (laughs) it's my time yo but if my kid is there I would go fucking Hulk smash. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Hulk smash. You know those videos mm. of the moms that literally lift, lift up cars. cars? Yes. I do feel that in that situation... That would be you. That would be me. And 100%. now I'm thinking that was Kiki. Yeah. So you can't tell me that he's this weak, sickly no. individual because no. he got randomly shot. Yeah. Don't talk shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. So just piss me off because I'm like, how long were you just fucking up people's lives for no reason like you should have just fucking left but anyways police start researching what they could about the family the house anything they can to kind of get context information just a a general idea of like who these people are and what they fucking deal because they need to figure out the motive yeah at this point they can tell who's the murderer but they like but why my biggest question is why why did you do this Mm. So while digging for information, police discovered that several noise complaints had been made about Kiki's house. And these complaints were all filed during the five months that Ronnie was living there. There was never a single complaint that was filed before that. So you just started making cuck the moment you got there. Literally. So these noise complaints weren't about music being too loud or people being too loud. They were because neighbors were hearing someone screaming and shouting and just banging and overall just they call it distressing noises they could just tell something was wrong and it was also said that these calls weren't done because people were mad these calls were made because people were worried people were scared people could hear that someone was being threatened that someone was in danger domestic violence yeah and they knew that something was wrong and something needed to be done and now it's not really like i couldn't really find too much info on it but it doesn't seem like police really did much about any of these calls <laughs> they might have gone to the house a few times to like check if everything's okay even the weather's angry right yeah. now yeah 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 can you guys hear it some thunder on thunder noodle some thunder on thunder noodle Woo. so police then decided to take 
the audio recordings because obviously you phone nine one one the the thing is recorded. Yeah. They record your your phone calls. So they decide to take these audio recordings of the 911 calls and send them to a specialist so that they could kind of get more information, yeah. maybe. So this was done in attempts to try here more so of like the background noise more than yeah. anything else. So with this, they discovered that in the first call, a gunshot is very clearly heard in the background. After that, they hear things that sound like a physical altercation. It's not like two people fighting, more like someone beating someone else up. So it wasn't like, oh, this was a fair fight. Two people were actively participating. This was someone was literally just assaulting another person. It was like a very one-way fight. When With this, they also concluded that it was Kiki who was shot and then beaten to death. They gathered that from that phone call. Which is insane. In these calls, you can also hear Ronnie screaming and shouting at Kenyatta as he was beating her. Just horrific things. He was just being an asshole. All of this kind of just confirms what he did to her. And essentially, police now have that murder on audio. And all the evidence links up with what they've now heard. You're kind of getting caught out on this one. This is where it also gets interesting. Okay, so we're going to backtrack a little bit. When we spoke about the first 911 call, we spoke about it and I said to you that you can hear Ronnie screaming over Kenyatta saying something about, Oh, call 911, she tried to kill me. So the specialist managed to identify who it was Ronnie was screaming at on this phone call. And it turned out to be one of their neighbors who is a man named James. Now, it's not your like typical, oh, my neighbor next door. It's my neighbor from across the street. So if you walk out of Ronnie's house and look straight, you can see James's house. Okay. What had happened was James had been asleep that night. But all this altercation, this whole altercation between Kenyatta and Ronnie woke him up. And now he is kind of aware of this as the past five months, this has happened before. So he went and looked through the peephole on his front door to kind of see what was going on. If he looks through his peephole, he can see Ronnie's, well, Kenyatta's front lawn. Yeah. So there he sees, so he there sees um, that Ronnie is standing over Kiki and she's like lying slumped on the floor. Kind of like in a ball. Type in the front vibe. door. In the front lawn. Lawn. Yes. He's looking. James is looking through his front door. This happened people. outside? Yeah. Like it started inside and it made its way outside. We're going to get through everything, girl. James saw Ronnie pick up her arm off the floor. And she seemed limp. And this just gave him a gut feeling. He just knew something was wrong. So he rushed over to ask if everything was okay. And this is when Ronnie shouted this is what you hear on the phone call where he starts shouting she killed me now james kind of takes a step back and stops in his tracks and he's kind of like what do you mean she killed you like you're talking to me and she's the one on the floor yeah make it make sense so he kind of just looks at ronnie and then at this moment ronnie lets go of kiki's arm and it just drops like dead weight at this point again like his gut feeling is just getting worse keep in mind all of this is happening in like a matter of seconds so as he drops it he then lips lifts up an unidentified object over his head which is assumed to be a knife because james said it kind of glistened in the light had it over his head and then apparently with like a shit ton of force 
went down. And in this moment, James just turned around and fucking bolted back to his house. He was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm not here for this. So he turns around and he fucking bolts right back to his house and he locks himself in his house. And I'm assuming then he phones the police i'm assuming but i don't know i didn't i couldn't find anything but now police have an eyewitness which is like really fucking important yeah the evidence just starts stacking up against him like the more and more police are like figuring out what's going on like the worse and worse it's looking for ronnie now at this point ronnie is at the police station and he's starting to kind of figure out that things aren't really looking too good for him yeah (laughs) you know he's like well this is not looking great you know they have a bit too much against me so he's like you know what i'm gonna cooperate i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna help the police and he says he was going to give them what they were asking for so he decided he was going to tell his side of the story which let me preface is the furthest thing from the fucking truth but let's get into it ronnie said that him and kiki got into an argument and it was really bad this was apparently very common however on this particular night kiki was the one that got violent with him and he says she started attacking him and he needed to defend himself he started kind of physically attacking her back in defense he claims and this altercation was so intense that it led them all the way out to the garden again according to ronnie and this is where kiki allegedly tried to kill him he says to police it was at this point that he thought his life was about to end and he thought the only way he would survive is if he killed her first police knew this was a complete bullshit story i mean like they like i said earlier on the photo like you can't there's not a single defense wound on this man's body he hasn't been touched which is just so crazy his whole story just wasn't adding up it didn't match any of the evidence the story didn't match the crime scene like they were just like this you're lying yeah just when police thought the evidence against ronnie couldn't get any stronger little ronnie survives oh wow he recovered from his injuries and became healthy again And he was now able to tell police his side of the story because he saw the whole attack from the beginning until he passed out that night. So this is little Ronnie's side of the story. He said everyone was in their bedrooms that night and he heard an argument break out between his parents. And they were arguing and screaming and shouting and they were just going ballistic. Like all children do he peeks his head out his door yeah he goes out and kind of just listens to what's going on at this point he sees his dad waving around a gun in the air while screaming at his mom the next thing he knows he sees kiki running down the hall she was running away from ronnie she bolted into her daughter's room which was it literally at the end of the passage was their room then it was like the passage then it was her daughter's room and then ronnie's room So she bolted straight into her daughter's room. She then hid herself inside a closet and locked it. She just was waiting there trying to, to protect herself from Ronnie. Ronnie then ran into the room after her. But luckily, he didn't make it in time. She had just locked the door. And now he was standing outside the closet. He was just screaming outside. I just, I can't imagine how fucking traumatizing this must be. Because Renivia was just sitting on her bed, shocked. Like apparently, she they ran in and like she was so confused. She just stood, sat up straight 
and was just like watching what was going on like why would you run into your daughter's room though and lock yourself in her closet yeah i don't know it's a bit strange yeah but yeah so this poor little thing is so confused at this point little ronnie went into the room then he sees that his dad is standing there screaming at the closets he then turned his attention to his son and ordered little ronnie to go out into the room and to march up and down the hallway chanting allahu akbar so this kid is like so fucking confused he's so scared his mom's hiding in a cupboard his dad has a gun you know he's just petrified so obviously he goes and he does what he's fucking told you know this poor kid doesn't probably even understand what he's fucking saying what he's doing as he's doing this he hears a gunshot go off in his sister's bedroom and this just scared him even more. He's at the point where he's so petrified, he doesn't even know what to do. He just freezes. He just stops dead in his track and he doesn't move. He doesn't go in to see what happens. He doesn't run up the house. He just freezes and after a few seconds kind of gets himself together and then starts chanting again. Kind of, yeah. I assume in fear that if he stopped, his dad was going to come yes. out and like do something so after a few more seconds ronnie called little ronnie back into the bedroom and he said and i quote come in here come kill this bitch little ronnie ran into the room and witnessed his dad bash his mom's head with the shotgun and then saw his dad pointing the gun at kiki but not doing anything almost just like taunting her yeah which i think is fucked up he then calls over little ronnie gives him the gun and stands behind him and helps him aim the gun at kiki after hearing what a good relationship she has with her kids now here you are this woman that you love so much your mom like and you're here pointing a gun at her because you're scared of what your dad's gonna do to you that is petrifying ronnie then put the gun down and ordered little ronnie to go into the garage and get his hunting knife so little ronnie ran in there to look for it but he couldn't find it so he goes back to his dad and this is where he sees his mom mid escape and she's like half bolting it out the door so she's like kind of leaving her daughter's room and trying to make it to the front door she luckily does get out the front door and there ronnie sees his dad running straight after her and again he just freezes because his dad still has a gun in his hand yeah so he has no idea what to do he's in disbelief and shock he's so confused so again he's frozen so at this point he doesn't really know what happened outside because he didn't go outside so he doesn't really know but he says about a minute later his dad walks back inside and he's alone while being outside that's when that whole altercation happened with James. james it was concluded that that's when ronnie had beaten kiki to death with the shotgun so the shot that was fired in ronivia's bedroom that little ronnie heard but didn't see turned out to be the shot that hits kiki in her shoulder okay and like i explained earlier it wasn't fatal but she was losing blood from it yeah and it's a shotgun yeah not a like a a piston yeah a, a piston so a pistol so a shotgun does a lot more damage but now ronnie he kind of sees that this gunshot isn't doing much so because of that that's when he chases her out the house because he realizes this isn't going to get the job done yeah 
So while Ronnie was back inside, he was just storming around the house, like huffing and puffing, kind of throwing like a mini tantrum type vibe. Not saying anything to Ronnie, not acknowledging him, nothing. He didn't even look at him. Ronnie Sr. then proceeds to just walk from room to room. Doing what? I don't know. It was just, it just left little Ronnie very confused. He, He was like, what the fuck is going on? And then he noticed that his dad had picked up an axe and walked into his little sister's room. She was still awake, sat up in her bed, and was also fucking confused. Ronnie then grabbed her by the arm and dragged her down the hallway to Kiki's bedroom. He then threw her onto the floor and... Oh, sorry. It's just so sad. So while this whole thing is happening down the hall... Because like I explained, it's like his bedroom's on the one side of the hall, his mom's on the other. He can see this whole thing happening, what his dad is doing to his sister. Little Ronnie is watching the whole thing happen. And he watches his dad brutally murder his older sister. He watched his dad lift an axe above his head and with an immense amount of force, he swung it down. So many times that little Ronnie said he watched her eyes roll back to the back of her head and her body just slumped down to the floor he said there was just so much blood everywhere and it was just a gruesome mess and the next thing he knew his dad was trying to light a fire and apparently throughout the whole altercation or whatever he tried to do this a few times where he had carried matches on him and would like try and set alight pieces of tissue and then like would throw the tissue around the house in attempts to like cause a fire was kind of random so he sees now his dad now lights a match lights a piece of tissue and then throws it onto renevia's body yeah this failed like her body just didn't set a light but after this ronnie then decided to pour gasoline all over the house and light pieces of tissue and throw them around then ronnie went into the garage And I'm assuming this is where he kind of went to start the fire in the garage. I don't know why, but little Ronnie followed him into the garage. When Ronnie saw his son, he picked him up and threw him against the floor, then held him down by putting his foot on his back so he couldn't move. He kept him like that while he lit another tissue and dropped it on his son, attempting to set him alight too. Little Ronnie managed to wiggle his way out of his father's grip and ran to the kitchen to try and get away from him. However, his dad followed and quite quickly caught up to him. A fight kind of breaks out between the two of them. I wouldn't say a fight because I don't think little Ronnie was fighting. But the last thing he remembers is his dad opening one of the kitchen drawers and getting a massive knife. And he says after that, he doesn't know what happened. But from here on out... The only way police could really put together a story was by using physical evidence. That basically concluded that Ronnie brutally attacked his son so badly that, you know, he was disemboweled. Police believed that little Ronnie passed out at this point and this led Ronnie, the dad, to believe that little Ronnie was dead. So he just kind of left him alone at this point and went off again to try and set the house alight and this just shows to me how vastly different the two sides of the story really is between the dad and the son which i think is fucking insane you know i feel like ronnie tried to make himself kind of seem like a heavy victim when honestly it was the complete fucking opposite you know everything just disproved his whole story 
And how does he go about saying the only way for him to survive was to kill his wife? Then how did your kids become part of it? That's one of the biggest questions I have. He even turns around and says that he felt like Kiki was going to be a danger to his children. But you're the one that ended up killing her. I mean, killing your kids and her. Yeah. It just fucking blows my mind. So it said that little Ronnie suffered such severe injuries and he had to go through multiple surgeries and procedures. It was said that about 20 to 30% of his body was covered in burns from the fire. On top of that, he was basically disemboweled. The attack was just, it was so brutal. So brutal. I don't know how you can do that to a helpless eight-year-old little child. Yeah. Your own child. Your own child. And it's just like the fact that he survived, everybody was like, this is a fucking miracle. Yeah. Ronnie O'Neill III's trial begins and he was up for a few different charges, which included two counts of murder, one count of attempted murder, two counts of child abuse and one count of arson. The trial began in June 2021 which is insane because it happened in 2018. And Ronnie decided that... Now, this is one of the reasons why I chose this case. Ronnie decides he's going to represent himself in court. No attorney, no lawyer, no legal representatives, no nothing. It's going to be him versus the court. And the scariest part about the whole thing is he was so fully convinced that he was going to be able to get away with this. He is so like if you watch the trial and you watch how he acts like this man is so confident that he is just getting his way out of everything that everybody's just eating up everything he's saying and that nobody can tell him otherwise he's delulu yeah delulu was not the solulu in this situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he had multiple people try and warn him about this and tell him that the success rate is insanely low if not nothing to represent yourself yeah. in court. Like even lawyers don't represent themselves. You know, and he's like, especially due to the case that we have at hand, dude, this is not looking good. No. Even the judge herself warned him against this because if he was found guilty, he would be up for the death penalty, which meant his life literally lay in his hands. But none of this stopped him. He was still 100% convinced, confident that he was going to do this And he was going to be successful and no one could tell him otherwise. Because of wanting to be his own lawyer, this meant that Ronnie O'Neill had to do everything a lawyer would in a court case. You know, this included cross-examining situations, evidence stories and witnesses. This meant that Ronnie O'Neill was going to have to cross-examine his own son. No, there must be some law against this. Surely, you would think, hey, you would think, but no. I guess this wasn't so much of an issue for Ronnie as it was for little Ronnie. But I just, I can't imagine you've gone through such a traumatic situation. You've just watched your mom get murdered, your sister get murdered, all by your dad, who has barely been present in your life for the past five months. And now you're going to have to go up there, tell the story, relive it, face the man that did this to you, and then have that man tell you to your face that you're a liar. You're like cross-examining him already would Mm. have been traumatizing yeah now the person that attempted to kill him that he saw no yeah oh my it's just so wrong so the trial begins and ronnie gives his opening statement which it was a lot girl like going through it wow he waffled jesus that man can speak shit then he turned around and he said my son said many things 
that are not true openly just calls his son a liar doesn't give a fuck the evidence will show that she threatened to kill me with a knife just a few weeks before the incident and she was angry about my relationship with my other child's mom i responded out of pure instinct and heat of passion the evidence will show that the state cannot prove that i premeditatedly killed anyone because i didn't have any time to reflect or plot and plan as if everything happened suddenly and spontaneously i have no words yeah so in court ronnie he comes off super aggressive like i said very passionate person you can see like in his eyes the way he acts the way he walks around the courtroom he acts like he owns the place you know like it's his world and we're just blessed to be living in it yeah he's like pointing he's raising his voice it was intense he kept claiming like self-defense saying that he felt like his life was being threatened so and he kept saying i killed her so she couldn't kill me i killed her first because she was going to kill me like constantly constantly just implying this whole thing of he even stated that he believed she was a threat to not only his life but to his children's lives as well which is fucking ridiculous how does that make sense you're the murderer so ronnie also said his son was telling lies after being coached by police and family members on what they wanted him to say so in his trial so not only did his wife want to kill him but now like the police yeah everybody and his family everybody's against him Mm -hmm. plotting Mm. we're praying on his downfall so he says this is about his son quote He has been diagnosed with PTSD as he should be because it was a very traumatic thing that he went through. How can you? Okay. He then says he was also diagnosed with major depression disorder, intermittent confusion and delirium, making him unreliable when it comes to the actual facts. He then says the evidence and testimony will show that Ronnie Blair, formerly known as Ronnie O'Neill IV, may have been coached in what to say by family members that the whole entire case has been tampered with and fabricated he says they say she made a phone call at 11:43 there's no 911 call at 11:43 on her call log your call logs can be deleted yeah the recording of the fucking yeah like the physical recording that is co- there. yeah but okay go off king he then says anything that i may have said they exasperate you i can't say this word exacerbated yeah that one yo it's such a how do i pronounce that but i I can't pronounce fucking normal words (laughs) they exasperated it and made me say it consecutively over and over allahu akbar which i may have said once or twice but they wanted to make me seem like a terrorist okay they say i said come out here son and help me kill this bitch which he says he denies saying and he says i can guarantee you the evidence is going to show you we are all under the most corrupt administration you've ever seen in your life oh so now it's the government even i don't know who else he wants to blame oh wow but wow so trial begins and ronnie pleads not guilty to everything he didn't do it he said he's not guilty. His defense fell through very quickly in court as nobody believed him or that he was in danger or that Kiki was the threat to him mm. and the kids. Now we get to the part where Ronnie is about to cross-examine his own son in court. 
Now, little Ronnie did this via a video link, obviously, as he didn't want to be in the room, in the same room. But again, this is shown, like, you can find the footage on, like, YouTube and stuff. You can just hear how uncomfortable it is. Like, Ronnie turns around and he says, like, it's it's good to see you. And you can hear little Ronnie go, like, oh, it's, it's, like, good to see you too. But it's almost like he's saying it because he, like, he doesn't want to, like, trigger anything. Yeah. But you can tell how uncomfortable this poor child is. Yeah. Like, he's not Because yeah, at it. this point, he's what? Like, 11 years yeah. old? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to, to watch this poor child have to go through this. Little Ronnie says the fight that started this whole entire thing was a fight between Ronnie and Kiki. And Ronnie wanted her to convert to Islam. And she refused to do it. And this apparently just enraged Ronnie. In their relationship, wasn't Ronnie wasn't part of the Islamic religion. However, during their breakup, he converted. And apparently he took this very seriously, but really overboard as well. Yeah. Like, I don't want to... The last thing we said, we don't really care about offending people. But if there are, there are certain things I don't want to offend people on, and one of them is religion. Yeah. I don't mean to say that he was, you know, following his religion and now all of a sudden I'm bashing him because he was a religious person it's just the way that it came across and the way that they've made it seem is that he just blew it super out of proportion and like made it everything it wasn't people even said that it actually started to become a very toxic and unhealthy situation for him to be in yeah so while staying at kiki's house he had been trying to manipulate her into converting however she refused time and time again she just wouldn't have it ronnie just wasn't taking no for an answer ronnie had a lot to say about what little ronnie said and basically just kept saying that he was a liar and not because he wanted to be but because he was manipulated to be so he was like my child's lying but not by choice by force because of you guys which i was like okay this is so ridiculous ronnie even asks little ronnie at some points if he was being coached controlled or manipulated into saying anything but little ronnie says no and he just sticks to the story that he's told he doesn't budge ronnie senior proceeds to even ask if he hurt little ronnie that night he literally says to you did i hurt you that night little ronnie responds yes you stabbed me oh wow other people took the stand ronnie senior would doodle on pages and what he would end up doing was write messages on these pages and then hold them up to the court was so fucking but like with smiles on his face on one of the first pages he wrote love you across a whole a4 page huge he held it up to the jury yeah another one said quote only no sin can cast first stone everybody found this quite being an asshole like at this point like i don't even know what else to say so i think there were like a few more of these but these were kind of ones that really stood out when the trial concluded ronnie o'neill the third was found guilty of all his charges and even though there was no doubt that he was guilty the issue came in with the death penalty as the jury couldn't come to an agreement they were pretty much split 50 50 down the middle half were like yes half were like no so they were kind of like fuck what do we do now so because of this indecision he wasn't offered the death penalty instead he was given the longest possible sentence that he could be given which was three consecutive life terms plus 60 years. So he's not coming out of prison. No. And he is still serving his time to this day. So a little update for anyone who is wondering on little Ronnie. 
Yeah. This is the best part of the whole case. I'm going to kind of try and keep this brief and light. Yeah. So his whole healing process, shame, was quite long and lonely. He, from what they gathered, he had relatives left, but very far and distant. They weren't close. A lot of this he was dealing with alone. He was in mm. hospital by himself. He didn't have visitors. He didn't have people there checking up on him, caring about him. Like, it was really, really sad, actually. Like, shame. I can't think of anything mm. more fucking heartbroken than this poor eight-year-old little boy just lost his mom, his sister, his whole support system. And he has no one there. I'm going to cry. Um, To, like, look after him. A detective noticed this. And decided he was going to change this. He decided he was going to start spending time with Ronnie. Keeping him company. Talking to him. Being there. Visiting him. Watching movies with him. He was going to be that child support system. This detective was Mike Blair. One of the... (gasps) You said he's new. One of the only lead homicide detectives in this case. He was also one of the first officers at the scene of the crime that night and he had seen ronnie walking out of the burning fire mike saw ronnie really often and they apparently bonded really quickly they had the same favorite like american football team they joked a lot around a lot they watched movies mike even had a contact in this um little football team ended up getting ronnie a whole bucket of merch for him So during one of these visitations, Mike was supposed to leave earlier than usual because he had a date night with wifey and home. Yeah. And just before he was about to leave, little Ronnie grabs his hand and looks at him and says, please, won't you just watch a movie with me? And Mike says, you just couldn't say no to this kid's face. And from the photos you see, like, bitch, I couldn't say no to that face. He's so cute. And so he phones his wife and he's like, yo, instead of a fancy dinner, do you want to come to the hospital and watch a movie with me and this kid? Yeah. And his wife is like, you know what? I'm fucking there. I'm on my way. At this point in Ronnie's recovery process, these people were like so vital and important. After this, Mike's wife becomes a very frequent visitor of Ronnie's and she starts spending more time with him and they end up bonding quite quickly. He was slowly starting to get off sedative medications and stuff so he was in a lot of pain. He had to do a lot of um what do you call it that graphing when you like yeah his skin was apparently getting to him a lot because if it wasn't burnt at certain points it was skin that had been moved to other places like he was in a lot of pain he was irritated he just was not having a good time he was just so uncomfortable all the time and it was said that this was just a challenging time in his healing process mike and his wife said this kid just powered through he did not give up no matter how hurt upset in pain irritated no matter what he just kept fucking going mike and his wife danielle said whenever they were there he would just smile even though they could see he was in pain he just was so happy that they were there that he just smiled he was just like if if i'm going through this and you guys are here like it's okay because you're here danielle says that it it just devastated her to know that he didn't have a mom to take care of him this is just so scary and painful and he just he doesn't have the person that's supposed to be there for him he was just so grateful to have them there Ronnie was finally recovered and then discharged and then put into a foster care system. Mike then got a hold of his social worker and explained the situation and said, if you need anything, 
anything give me a call like i'm committed to this kid Mm -hmm. you know if there's anything you guys need just let me know if you need me to buy him anything if he's unsettled if you need someone to talk to call me gives him his personal number and everything for the next five months ronnie stayed with a couple of different families he even stayed with some of his own extended relatives however these arrangements didn't work out due to everybody else's circumstances you know i don't mean for this to sound bad the way it might come across but due to everything he had been through he needed a lot of attention he needed frequent medical doctor visits he needed a lot of help he needed extra love he just needed a lot from someone but he was worth the effort i just want to make that clear like he deserved to have that done for him it is a challenging situation to put someone in you know especially people that that unable to help you he was up and down between families and just just wasn't working so the social worker decided to call mike and explain the whole situation and asked if he knew anyone that would be willing to help ronnie without a second thought mike said bring him to me now he didn't consult his wife now him and his wife had five other kids in between the ages of i think it was like 13 to 21 oh wow so it's quite a big difference he didn't say anything to anyone he didn't give a fuck. He was like, that kid, he's coming yeah. now. Apparently, everybody was just over the fucking moon to have him. Mm. Nobody upset about it. Everybody was like, Bring this, this was meant to happen. He was meant to be a part of our family. So in 2019, Ronnie officially joined Mike and Danielle's family. So they now became a family of eight. From all the photos, you can just see how happy he is with his new family. And he just, he fits right in. It actually is quite emotional to look at. He has an older brother. He has a dad. He has a mom. He has sisters. It's just really beautiful. However, the first few weeks were kind of a roller coaster. It was an adjustment for the family, of course, Mm. but also for Ronnie because he was just so used to now being moved around all the time. Ronnie just wasn't used to people doing the things that they were doing for him. He struggled to settle in at first. This is actually so sad. He was so traumatized from moving around in the foster system that he even turned around, went to Mike and said, how long will i be here for before i have to leave again so the blair family went through everything they could to reassure this little boy that he wasn't going anywhere they told him a hundred times a day that this was his forever home now they even sit and listen to stories he tells about his mom and sister they ask him about them they make sure that it's a topic of conversation that he mm. knows he can talk about them and that they loved him and oh i'm getting emotional yeah, that's it's so just crazy. it was they did everything they were like your memory of them is always gonna be alive yeah. but we're gonna love you because they're not here too the family even oh it's so cute they got together and made a little affirmation for their family home in order to give ronnie more reassurance and the affirmation is this it says i am safe i am loved i am a part of this family oh <laughs> bitch <laughs> eventually the fa- the blair family was able to take ronnie the third to court and had his parental rights stripped and they were officially allowed to adopt ronnie so he still had parental rights up until this yeah. point what the fuck okay yeah and he has now changed his name to ronnie blair There's even a quote that I I got. This is what Ronnie said. I go to a different church. I have a different brother and sister, different mom and dad, 
different house. But it's pretty cool to be here with them. They're really nice people. They're the best mom and dad. And they take care of me. There is no one else better than them. Oh, shame. And that is the case of the day. So, devastating case. But somewhat of a happy ending. He finally got to a place where he can be safe and loved. Yeah. You know, and just live a good life. Even... I think his older, his new older brother turned around and said something along the lines of like, he he never imagined something like this would have happened, but now he cannot picture his life without Ronnie being part of their family. Um, that was fucking full episode Friday of the week. I hope you guys aren't too traumatized. They're going to need a weekend after this. Yeah. But um, yeah, as always, guys, just stay safe out there and be a, be lacquer, as be we always say. And make reasonable choices. Please, please. <laughs> and also, guys, Dululu is not always the Salulu. No. Sometimes no, it's not. just get your ducks in a little bit of a row. It can be a diagonal row, but yeah. just a just, row. Just line them up. Line them up. But we will see you on Monday for Minisode Monday. Yay! And have. A good weekend. Have a good weekend, guys. Bye. Bye.